Blog Talk Radio. Okay, let me tell you about this intro here. I'll keep that. Here we go. That's the seven seconds. Welcome to Peach State Pandemonium, a production brought to you by the GWH Radio Network, where we take you down memory lane for a look at professional wrestling the way it used to be, with conversations from those who paved the way. And now, the GWH Radio Network presents Peach State Pandemonium. Okay, Mike, before you, before you take it, before we went on the air tonight, I uh, went through listening to this opening to see how many seconds it would take. And the first time I hit it, it was seven seconds. Let's see if this next time it comes up immediately. Uh, yes. Okay. I think I figured it out. Welcome to Deep State Pandemonium, a production brought to you by the GWH Radio Network, where we take you down memory lane for a look at professional wrestling the way it used to be, with conversations from those who paved the way. And now, the GWH Radio Network presents Peach State Pandemonium. Well, it sounds good. Before the show, before the show, I went through the loop. And the first time I hit it, it took seven seconds for it to actually kick after I hit the button. Next one, two, three, four times, five times, it went off immediately. Now, the ones that I almost always hit must be the next one, which takes 12 seconds from the time you hit it uh, for the thing to actually start the intro. And then the next time it's four seconds. So there's one, two, five, six, seven, eight times this thing's on, on there. But uh, you have to – now I've got it figured out, I think, as he says, and thinks he's got it got it worked out, and then the next time he won't do that. But anyway, uh, I think I'm good on it now. <laughs> well, good evening, and welcome to Peace State Pandemonium for Thursday, October 13th, 2016. This is Michael Norris along with Jay West and Bobby Simmons. Is Jerry with us yet? I'm, yeah. I'm pumping Jerry, him in here right now. Good. There he is. Good and and Jerry Oates who uh, survived the uh, hurricane and the aftermath and the uh, invasion of the stormtroopers and everything else that, that went down there, including Jay was down there. Uh, well, actually, I was at I was at Clay. We we got activated to run the uh, mobile operations center over at Clay National Guard Center just as soon as they called the guys out to go to South Georgia. Then they have to open up can't give all the information, but they have to open up several operation centers around the state. And uh, so, fortunately, the one I had to go to was only 35 miles from my house. But that's where I was Saturday, so that's why I missed our get-together. Well, we missed you, sir. Well, thank we you. Had a, I, yeah, we I, had a very intimate I, get-together this time. <laughs> I tried to call your cell, Bobby, but it turned out that in my book that I carry – I had your old cell phone number, the so that didn't number. do any okay. good. So that didn't do any good. But anyway, I, I was thinking about you, particularly around lunchtime. <clears throat> How's things oh, on the island, Mr. Oates? <laughs> well, it's not only the island; it's the whole town. I mean, oh. it's uh, it's getting back to normal. Uh, at Saturday night, about I don't know, probably about three o'clock. The whole savannah was dark. No power. Oh. Everywhere. None. Um, it, it was, uh, I, I hope none of you have ever done it. I won't ever do it again, ride one out. Never. 
and it wasn't I even, know. you know, a three or four, you know, but it was, it, I mean, stuff was torn up. I mean, my, I know one part right down here on Wilmington Island, last I heard, they still don't have power. Oh. It just, it just, and, and the most miraculous thing of the whole thing was, was the power companies. I don't mean Georgia Power, power companies. They came in from Texas, Oklahoma, Arkansas, Mississippi, uh, New York, Massachusetts. The Alabama, I've never seen, Alabama was all over, uh, Tybee, all over this town. You've never seen so many power trucks. I mean, they how they got here as fast as they did, I have no idea. These boys, they worked around the clock. It was awesome. I mean, it was just, you, you just can't imagine guys working that hard. It was, I mean, oh, it was brutal. It was absolutely brutal. So much, you know, just devastation. Just, uh, and, and and we were blessed, as bad as it was. I mean, yeah. the whole town was. I mean, I don't. I hadn't heard of any death tolls here. I'm sure there's some, uh, but it was. I'll never ride another one out. Never. It's that just, just, you just. I was you worried just, about you, my boy. I, <laughs> my sister-in-law no. lives in in New Smyrna Beach, Florida, right where it came on shore, right between there and Cape Canaveral, which is like a fifty-mile stretch. But uh, she left. She left on Wednesday. She came up to Valdosta and checked into a hotel, and uh, she stayed well, up there until it was over. But, well, see what what happened was, you know, Florida evacuated first. Right, which is understandable, and then South Carolina was next, the coast, of course, and then we had a mandatory at twelve o'clock, twelve or twelve thirty or one o'clock Thursday. Well, well, I tried to get get a room uh, Wednesday night. I couldn't find anything in Georgia. No, I even called Columbus. Nothing, nothing. So I knew, you know. Of course, the Florida people got them. I mean, I'm not uh, complaining about that, but but then I could get out, find a room anywhere in Savannah, and I did. So we rode it out. It was, and I felt safe. But the winds at Tybee were clocked at 96 miles an hour. That was, you know, that that's better than 110 or 20. But it's it's something. I mean, it's just. And then we had. We had tree services as far as Texas mm-hmm. in here. And it's just, it was just, and people really find out what kind of insurance you got when something like that happens. <laughs> no, I can't yeah, imagine. Huh. Uh, because we live on the coast, this guy was telling me yesterday at the gym a tree fell on his house, and a tree company for a tree service from Atlanta came by. And they said, Do you need any help? He said, I need help. Cost him ten thousand five hundred dollars to get the tree off the house. That's so. Uh, that should be allowed. Well, I mean, that's that's what it costs. I mean, it, it, these big trees here in Savannah. I mean, uh, and he he was glad to get it. I mean, and the I mean, this was a a triple A certified insured company. I mean, even wow. local guys, you know, that's what they charge. I mean, that's that's just the rate. They got Gee. so much equipment involved, you know. 
they got these big trucks with these booms on them that, that you know, they yeah. can reach over the house. And, you know, he said it took them five hours to get it. Wow. So, you know, they did, it, figure did it fall on the house, got. Jerry, or just going that way? It fell on, it fell on his house, yeah. Okay. So, I mean, oh, that, I, how many houses got crushed here? I, I, I have no earthly idea. And, and then he said he called his insurance company, and his house is uh, uh, assessed at four hundred thousand. So he's got to spend the first twenty out of his pocket before they spend the dime. Wow. Two percent because of the area that's here. You know, yeah, the hurricane area, flooding area, blah blah blah. You know, the insurance is. And which you can't blame them, you know. If you're crazy enough to live in a place like this, <laughs> uh, they say it's great ninety nine percent of the time, right? <laughs> yeah, but the but the other other percent makes it not worth it. Sure. And the beach at Tybee, the, the beach got ripped. Pier got not. Dam- I mean, it got damaged. It wasn't torn up. It got damaged. My friend of mine runs up here for the county. And uh, there's damage down there, and it, 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 a lot of damage down there. I mean, just damage. Just, it's, how it's how long were you out of work? Uh, well, I was on vacation last week. Oh, okay. Worst vacation I've had <laughs> in my entire life. I need another. I got two more weeks left. But uh, I was, uh, let's see, I, I, was, I was off all week, so I went back to work Monday. And we didn't get power until Monday. We didn't. And some people still have, in Savannah, have no water or power. Jeez. So it was just, it, 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 and I can't imagine, uh, you know, a three or four or five hitting a place head on. I, I just can't. Did y'all get any weather from it at all? Wind we got nothing rain? here. No, yeah, up, nothing. up in, uh, in uh, north uh, the area up there in Smyrna and above that, they had some pretty high winds. They must be higher elevation or something. I don't know. But uh, no problems here. I've got a cousin that lives in uh, North Carolina, and uh, they were without power for, he said, for about over a two-day period for about 12 hours. You know, it would come and go. Just as soon as they get one spot fixed, something would fall and it'd go out again. But... Uh, we we had nothing here of, of any any problem at all. But you can see Hilton Head, South Carolina, from Tybee. They got it worse than we did. They said mm-hmm. it leveled. It leveled Hilton Head. Wow. Mm-hmm. It's just uh, this something you don't want to go no, through. Sir. All those millionaires' homes along Hilton Head. I can imagine what a damn what a mess that is. Uh, they say it, it, when they let them back on the island. When did they let them back on the island? Maybe Tuesday. They told them when they let them in at like three o'clock. When you come on, go straight to your house. There's no rubbernecking or sightseeing. Go straight to your house. And they said over uh, what did they say? Percentage was like ninety-five. It was either ninety or ninety-five percent. They told them you won't even be able to pull in your driveway. <clears throat> That's how bad. And yeah, they they're not supposed to have power until later on. Hmm. And having to boil the water to drink it, a lot of them have no sewer uh, 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 
service because, you know, those things are run by pumps down here. And uh takes electricity to run them. You know, those lift stations? Yeah. It, it's 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 another world living on the coast. It's, uh, it's not a fun thing. But other than well, that, I, a few tornadoes drop down, you know, out of all that mess. You can kind of prepare for a hurricane or a tornado, you know. You can't prepare for that. And the season's but not officially that, over yet. No. But other than that, uh, I, I, I'm blessed. I, I'm well, we're glad you're still with us. Well, thank you, sir. And I hope you don't ever have to go through another one, but if you do, you've got a place to stay, son. All you got to do is call and tell me you're on the way. I know. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you one thing. You'll never hear me report on such a thing as this again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I learned my lesson in 1979 writing out Frederick. Of course, I was... <clears throat> I was only 19 years old or 20 years old. I didn't really have anywhere to go. Uh, But uh, Frederick was only a a Category 2, so the hurricane itself wasn't that bad. I mean, there were trees down and and all that. The aftermath of that was worse. Uh, They had no injuries or no reported injuries or deaths. But they had tons of uh, injuries and, and stabbings and shootings of people trying to, you know, standing in line for ice and uh, oh. mm-hmm. uh, the well. the, uh, the amateur lumberjacks who went out and bought a chainsaw and, and prompted to uh, cut their leg off and you know trying yeah. to cut trees down. Well, we but, did uh, we did uh, run out of we were almost out of food Sunday. Well, because she went to the store, she said, well, I'm not going to get a lot of stuff. We thought, you know, you're not going to. And you have no idea how precious ice is mm-hmm. when you have no electricity. So, and then from the time the rain started, it actually started about, uh, I don't know, Saturday night, I mean, Friday night, maybe 12, 11.30, just raining. From then till it stopped Saturday morning, we got, so this is all-time record for here, 17 and a half inches. Holy moly. But have you seen the flooding up in, like, Lumberton, North Carolina? I wrestle in Lumberton. That whole town is underwater. The whole Gr- town. Greenville, South Carolina. is. Uh, they said yesterday, by I think they said by 1 o'clock yesterday, uh, or maybe it was today, they said every bridge crossing that river up there in Greenville would be underwater. It was that high. In Greenville? I think they said Greenville. If I, if I, if I heard right, that's what they said, because they're yeah, catching they all the flood water. Yeah, all, all, I mean, all that Carolina up there, they, I, mean, they, it, I mean, it's I've never seen I saw it. It, it looked like uh, a Katrina in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. It's awful up there. Awful. Not feel sorry for those. I can't even imagine. Can't even imagine. You know the sad part is, and I was talking to somebody about this today. I don't have flood insurance. Where I'm sitting at, I can't see no way I would ever flood. But you know those a lot of those poor folks up there said the same thing. Sure. No way this will ever flood. No way this will oh, ever. Absolutely. And your homeowners will not cover it. That's correct. It's completely so you separate. You lose property. your house and everything else. 
it's it's uh yeah you don't know what kind of insurance you got to use it i don't that guy told me that i, I was i almost fell over the funniest thing i ever saw in of the aftermath of frederick and this made the front page of the mobile paper some guy had had painted a sign and put in his front yard it said blown by frederick screwed by allstate <laughs> <laughs> But Allstate is always there, you know. That's what they always say. They're there to tell you they're not going to give you any money in that case. You're in good hands. I'm sure he had a reason for saying that. Oh, I'm sure. You know, you have to look at your policy to see what your see what your deductible is and what is not included within the policy. I had uh, I had a break in in my house one time, and uh, I'm covered by Allstate, not as well as I'd like for the money I'm paying. But anyway, I had some money stolen. I, 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 I kept, I keep, I was keeping cash at the time because a lot of places we would play, they'd pay me in check. And so I'd go ahead and have enough money to pay off the band members. Well, and that was a couple hundred dollars, you know. And so at any rate, uh, we were getting ready to go on vacation. So instead of a couple hundred, I had 800 in cash. And when we got broken in and by someone that knew, knew us, at any rate, uh, the 800 was one of the things that were taken. But I talked to my insurance company and told them that, and they said they only covered the first $200 of, uh, of cash that is taken from the house. So there you go. Well, you didn't have a belt that got stolen or anything, did you? A what? No, that was from my <laughs> A belt. Yeah. <laughs> no. A title belt. Uh, no, I uh, from my parents' place. I did have my two guitars stolen one time, and that was uh, uh, before I was married the first time. And so that was from somebody that uh, knew what I had there at the house. They saw me oh, yeah, coming and going, either working a job or coming back from a job. Yeah, I mean, uh, as far as looting around here, we had a curfew from. Uh, Dust to dawn. Mm-hmm. And, you know, during all that period, we had no shootings here? Wow. Strange, isn't it? Oh. Yeah. Had the, had the National Guard here, state troopers yep. everywhere. So Yeah, th- a, thousand guardsmen, a thousand guardsmen were called out. Is that right? Well, they did a yes. good job. I mean, the, uh, the police and the state troopers and the National Guard patrolling this place, they, they did a wonderful job. Everybody did. I mean, you can't say enough about the power companies. I mean, you, you just can't. I mean, you just can't. You just can't. You just can't. So I'm exhausted talking about it. So. Well, we're glad you're today. New Orleans. You're all right here. Weight, if you well, I appreciate that. If you want to lose weight, go through one. See how it works out for you. I bet I'll drop <laughs> ten pounds. No, what really, were you I'm down to? You. What were you down to eating by the end, Jerry? Uh. By Saturday, I mean by Sunday, by around noon, all we had was like chips. And so, uh, one of my buddies I work with, a cop that works uh, down at Tyler, he lives in Pooler. He never lost power, and they had uh, a Publix open. And and he called me. He said, "How you doing?" I said, "Man, I said you got me. Is anything open?" I said, "I mean, there's nothing here in Savannah open. Nothing." Uh, he said, look, here's his Publix. He said, what do you need? I said, look, just give me some cold cuts and, some, you know, some stuff like that. And 
he brought me brought us, you know, a lot of uh, stuff like that, and and we were running out of ice. So I met him because he was going going to tidy, and I met him up the road, and uh, you know, he brought the food and thanked him and hugged him and almost kissed him, and he went on, and I followed him, and I went up a little ways, and uh, there's a convenience store up there right before you head uh, you get ready to leave the island to go on head toward Tybee. Uh, there was a convenience store. Uh, this guy, he had a generator going. Mm-hmm. Where you come in, and you had to have cash. It was cash because, you know, no credit card, nothing working. Sure. No power or stuff like that. So he, he had a trailer out there with uh, from the, one of the ice companies selling ice. And you think that wasn't a madhouse? Oh, yeah. So we made it. We made it. I mean, you, you do things you don't think you'll do, but. We, we we made it, so thank God. I mean, all is well. Great. What's the well, school about? It sounds like a weather well, channel. But... <laughs> yeah, Jerry, you've been you've been to Louisiana enough. You know that that strip of land between Slidell and and New Orleans, around Absolutely. Lake Pontchartrain. Yes. They're saying within the next few years that's going to be Lake Pontchartrain and whatever that other big lake that's down there is all going to be one body of water because New Orleans is continually sinking. Are you kidding me? Nope. New Orleans has been sinking ever since it was built, but, you know, that's why they don't allow, you know, they have vaults for the the, uh, cemeteries and everything because the city is actually sinking. Um but it's not, you know, it's minuscule over lengths of time. But evidently, it's the uh, the tableland has gotten so waterlogged or whatever. They're saying that that strip of land between New Orleans and Slidell is going to be all one big, you know, lake at some point. Well, I tell you that that water, that water's going to find its own way, and there's nothing you can do about it. I'm telling nope. you, I mean, it's, it's no. madness. <clears throat> and water is powerful. It's powerful. Oh, yeah. I can imagine it. I just can't imagine what those people up in North Carolina. I mean, how long is that going to take? To, I don't. I don't think they've even crested, have they, Bobby? You heard anything about it up there? I haven't heard. I haven't heard. Uh. But anyway, uh, I spent today with Charlie Smith. All I've heard is, "Huh? What?" Oh. Did he try to sell you anything? My buddy. No, he did not try to sell me anything. We uh we had to go to a funeral today and uh Uh oh. It's it's been a it's been a uh it was an emotional day. I'm sorry. Uh I don't know if you had even heard Jerry. We lost El Mongol over the weekend. And uh, No, I didn't. Uh, are you kidding me? No, he uh I am old, Mike. That's the first I've heard about it. He fell last Thursday, last Wednesday or Thursday. He fell, and when he was when he fell, he hit the back of a like a dining room chair, and he broke right. three ribs and it punctured a lung. Mm. And they took him to the emergency room, and he was eighty, eighty six years old. He was two months younger than Charlie. We found that out today. Uh, he. Uh, uh, his son, we it actually it was really 
sometimes things just work out. We got there. There was no traffic. We got there way too early because we left early not knowing what traffic would be. And we stopped in the Chick-fil-A to get a sandwich for lunch. And while we're sitting there, uh, Raul, his oldest son, who I have known for 40 years because he used to come to matches with his dad, him and his wife and his daughter and granddaughter, they walked in. So we sat there for an hour talking. So it was actually uh, it was a good time just uh, catching up. But, yeah, he, uh, they said that he, the doctor told him he was, he was starting to get dementia. And the doctor told him last week, he said, you know, I think he's probably got about six months to live. So he called his daughter and son-in-law and granddaughter. They live up in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. They came down, and they all spent the day together Saturday. He told me that uh, his blood pressure got real low, but he got back up, and he was himself. He was cutting up when they left to go home. And uh, he died, I guess, in his sleep. They found him about 5 o'clock Sunday morning. Uh, he just went to sleep and never woke mm-hmm. up. So was he, was he at home? He was at home. He was at home. Sunday morning. I'll be those. So, uh uh, they buried him. Well, he's actually in, he's in a mausoleum up at uh, uh, same cemetery where Ray and Ann Gunkel are buried, up in Sandy Springs. So, well, where was he living, Bobby? He was living in Lawrenceville. Okay, living in Lawrenceville. Well, we had him on the show what two years ago, three years About ago, two, two, yep. two or three years ago. Yeah, yeah. I got a chance to meet his daughter. You remember his daughter was on the radio with absolutely, us as well. I, I met her today, and. Uh, uh, is Maria still living? Do what? Is Maria still living? She certainly is. Looks hadn't changed a bit. She looks the same now as she did the first time I seen her. Uh, they were married. They got married in 1950. Let's see. Ralph told me he was born in 54, and they he got they got married in 51. So they that's however many years that is is how long they were married. Well, I'll be dog. I always like five years. What was, his, what was his real name? Raul, Raul R A U L Molina M O L I N A. Listed as his birthday is April the seventh, nineteen thirty. Yep. Well, I'll be dog. I, I, I hate to hear that. Me too. Was hmm. as I was telling Just Mike, funny. there's still still nothing on the internet. Uh, you know, as far as information on his career or anything like that, still nothing listing his death. He, uh, I don't think they put a whole lot out there. Uh, uh, they, he told me today, Ralph told me today that he talked with, uh, he talked with Mike Mooneyham yesterday and Mooneyham's going to do an article in the paper in, in, uh, in Charleston. So, uh, that's, uh, uh, that'll probably be out in the sun over the weekend, but he, if you never, for people that never worked with him or was in the ring with him, he you had to you had to look because you didn't know he was there. A lot of times he was that easy to work with, uh, and it was funny. Uh, he just uh, he was just a funny guy, and you know he, he had a great sense of humor and uh, always smiling, funny. always cutting up, always. And you know he, he just he drew uh, some money here too, friends. He drew yes, some he money did. here when he came. When he started here in 68, 69, I guess, he had a run here as a top heel with Dandy Jackie as his manager. Yeah. Yep. And he was a, he was a, I mean, he was a fierce looking thing, man. He was. And uh, he had a great, he had a great program he ran with Tim Woods when, when he first did the Mr. Wrestling thing here. Yeah. Uh, I can remember as a kid going to matches, some of the stuff that they did. 
we were talking today. I said, you know, it's you remember things when something like this happens. You remember things, and and you just we were. We were somewhere in a National Guard armory, and I don't even remember, I don't remember who we were or where we were or whatever. But I do remember being in an armory, and he he was working with a kid under a mask, and uh, the kid had a mask on, and this kid was green as a gourd. He didn't have a clue what he was doing, and he and he was scared of him, you know, because he'd probably watched him his whole life, and he didn't know nothing about him. Oh, absolutely. So he used to do this thing where. He would lock up with you, and he would shove your he'd shove your left arm up, and he'd go behind you, and he would reach down, and he would he would just grab your ankles, and he'd trip you, where you'd go flat on your face, and when you did, he would run right up your back. Yes, and, yes. And you never knew he was there, and when he when he went off the front end, he'd give he'd just give you a little kick in the back of the head. Well, I remember that. It, it's an easy, cute little spot. People loved it. Well, this kid didn't know what he was doing, and when he tripped him, and he went down. The kid put his nose flat on the mat, and when he went up his back and hit him with that little shot in the back of the head, that kid rolled over, and his nose was splattered all the way across his face. Blood was everywhere, and I'll never forget him looking at me. He never said anything. He just looked at me and threw both palms up and shrugged his shoulders. I mean, what do you say? I mean, he just if the kid had held his head up, there was nothing to it. The Mongol would never hurt anybody in the ring. Never. Never, never. I, I, I worked with him a few times. Like you said, you didn't know he was there. You know he was there. And I, I'm going to tell you one more story. And I, this is a story I don't normally tell these kind of stories on, on, on but I'm going to tell this one. When, when we were working for Ann on Tuesday, we ran Atlanta on Tuesday nights, and on Wednesdays there we were running a little town over in South Carolina called Batesburg, South Carolina. And then on Thursday nights we was running Orangeburg, South Carolina. And there were about I don't know, 75, 80, 100 miles apart. And in Batesburg, in the building we ran in, there was no showers. So they rented two hotel rooms for the guys to go take a shower. Well, I would always stay in one of the hotel rooms after I got the ring tore down. I'd go get something to eat, go to the hotel and eat and stay there. It didn't cost me anything. And it was an old mom-and-pop motel, and, and it was one of those where when you lay down in the bed, there was a light right directly over your head on the wall that shined down on the bed like for reading or whatever. And uh, I, I went over and I ate that night and, and got through and didn't didn't think a whole lot about it and got ready to go to bed. And I reached up to turn that light off, and when I looked up, there was a pair of panties hanging on that light. <laughs> I mean, they were hanging right over my head. So I just turned the light out and went to sleep. Next night, I walk in the dressing room over in Orangeburg. He's sitting there when I walk in. And he goes, amigo. I said, yeah. He said, did you find the little present I left for you last night? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I found it. <laughs> so, when y'all went to Orangeburg, did you ever run into Jimmy Union? Oh, yeah. He refereed over there. He refereed a lot. What a nice guy, huh? Oh, yeah. that's yeah. He, he kind of promoted that. Well, it was Jody and Rock's town, but, but he kind of he promoted it. Yeah, he was there all the time. Oh, I used to love being around Jimmy. He was so funny. Super, super guy. Yeah, you, you know, re- I'm sure you refereed some of your matches in Savannah because he used to work in Savannah all the time. Savannah and Statesboro. Yeah, that's yeah, where Statesboro, I met him. Yeah. yeah, that's where I met him. Did yeah. was besides you and Charlie? Was any other of the boys there? Tom Ernesto Jr. was there. Well, I and that was it. Really, Junior part showed up, huh? Yeah, I you called him and told him about Texas? it, and he uh, he came up. Where's he living now? 
He lives in LaGrange. Well, I'll be though. I thought he was in Texas. Oh, you ain't heard the story. You don't know. Evidently, I don't. He married my ex-wife. What? The one from Columbus? Uh-huh. Come on, man. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, he's Bobby <laughs> Stephan. <laughs> <laughs> is that for real? That's that's a shoot, brother. How long has that been? They got married early part of this year, I guess. Well, I'll be though. For a small world, huh? Yeah, uh-huh. I mean, I, you know. That's well, small enough, right, Bobby? I hope that, so, uh, listen, I, I don't care. I hope they're happy. I mean, I. So, what uh, is he doing now, Bobby? Did he actually go to work for another circus? Tells me, I don't think he's doing nothing, Bubba. Uh, that's what I figured. I, I figured all I mean, that yeah. going to work for another circus and all that was, was hooey. He looks good. He's lost some weight. He, you know, he, and he, uh, but yeah, he's, uh, I don't, I don't, I say that. I don't really know, but I don't believe he's, you know, I don't believe he's working anywhere. But wasn't he in Texas? Yeah, that's yeah, where he his, was living in Texas. That's where his brother lives. John, his oldest brother, lives there. That's where you know Tom is actually. Tom's ashes are either scattered or buried on John's land by a lake there in some wherever what part of Texas he lives in. But uh, yeah, that's uh, uh, he's there, and then his Tom's mom lives in a little town uh, up in. Uh, Western uh, Ohio. Really? Yep. Well, they're kind of scattered out, aren't they? Yep. Timmy lives in Nashville. Tom, well, they're living do? in Lagrange, and and then uh, that's they're just I get well, you know, absence makes the heart grow fonder. You spread out and go see each other periodically. What does uh, Timmy do? <laughs> the last Still time I, I last time I saw Timmy. He was still trying to wrestle for some little promotion up there. And I don't know so if he's, he's doing, not doing anything, anything else or not. Right. Uh, pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. I asked I asked Tom today if he was still up there, and he said he was. Well, I'll be done. And that was the three of you, and that was it, huh? That was it. There was a couple of – there was a guy there that Charlie said did the ring announcing in Monroe, and there was another guy he said worked as a manager for some of these independents. No, no. There might have been some more guys there that called themselves in the business, but the, I don't know that Tom was ever in the ring with him or not. I, I think me and Smitty might have been the only two that was that had ever been in the ring with him that was there. Oh, well, I'm sure of that. I'm, I'm yeah. sure of that. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. Well, I, I, when did, I sure he, when did he quit, Bobby? He quit in <sighs> – we were talking about that today. He 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 first retired when Gunkel went out of business, and then he he started working a little bit for for uh, I think he worked a few shots for Barnett for for the Georgia office, uh, not many but some. And uh, Ralph told me today that that when uh, when Crockett kind of was started started coming into the picture. He told them said they were trying to they were trying to use him to you know to put people over and not, wasn't treating him very well. You know how they do people. And he he said, hey, I don't need you know he says, I don't need this. He said I have a restaurant I can run, and uh, that's what I'm going to do. So 
Well, I don't blame him. Why ruin his no. name? You know, I mean, I, yeah. I, I don't sure. blame him. I, I, I wouldn't have done it either. But the, the last time you saw him in the ring, how did he look, Bobby? He looked good. Did he? He looked good. That's good. That's he good. was, uh, well, I mean, he, if you see pictures of him, uh, you know, there's some pictures on the Facebook and different places with uh, uh, that have made made recently. One, matter of fact, I saw one with his great granddaughter uh, that was made last Saturday, and uh, he looks the same. Other than you know, he just lost his hair. But of course, we remember when we first met him, he didn't have any hair except for that little ponytail. Right. And, he, uh, he he really looked different. Uh, you know, he had that Asian look when he had that shaved head with the little uh, pigtail and the Fu Manchu. And right, later on, when he when he worked for Ann, and he let his hair grow out, and he had great looking hair, uh, yeah. he he did have more of a Hispanic look about him. Uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, to, to, to uh, that part of his look was completely different. Uh, he was one so of my dad's he always favorite, favorite as being from Wasn't he always billed as being from Peru? Yes, Manchuria. Was it Manchuria? Wasn't Manchuria? Well, well, they, yeah, they, yeah, they did man. Yeah, but it was Manchuria when he first came here. And then I think they tried to work a deal or something and said he was from Peru. Anyway, he was actually from Mexico. Yeah, yep. that's yep. where he started. Yeah. Uh, and then he was in Texas for a while, and then he got, I think he became El Mongol out in uh, L.A. And I think he, the, uh, he was working out there when the, they were the Western Wrestling Alliance or World Wrestling Alliance or whatever they were. He and Gorilla Monster the World yeah. Tag Team titles, yeah. Champions up there, and then uh, then from there he came. Uh, he may have passed back through uh, Georgia and did, I mean Texas, and did a few shots in in Florida. But I think once he got to Atlanta in '68 or '69, he pretty much homesteaded. Yes, uh, El Mongo. Let's see, it's what I'm reading says he initially came here in 1966 after working in Los Angeles for the WWA. And uh, he, he kind of came and went a couple of times and wrestled here as Dr. M after he uh, had lost a loser leave town match. And mm-hmm. he was having, ha- yeah, having a, uh, uh, working a program with with uh, Tim Woods uh, on April the 12th of uh, whatever this was, 1967. And then he feuded with the Torres brothers and won the Southern Tag Team title with partner Hans Smith from Ariki and Alberto. Yeah. Torres. Thought Jerry like that. On April the twenty sixth. This is one I remember. This is one I remember. He won the Atlanta version of the NWA Texas Brass Knuckles Championship from Louis Tolay on June the twenty ninth in Atlanta. And of course that wasn't officially recognized because Louis just came in with that title. But I I remember that uh, very well. Uh, so he was one of the first guys I remember seeing after I got out of the army in '68. You know, working for Atlanta for the Atlanta office. I'm sure this was a Louis Tlaife. I mean, a, a Leo Garibaldi finish. But it's, you know, it's funny how I mean, I don't know. Maybe uh, Jerry, I don't know if you can do this or not, but I can remember certain matches and the way they oh, ended it and the way they were explained. And I remember they had a match. In Atlanta with with El Mongo and Dandy Jack, they were uh, was managing him, and they were wrestling Tim Woods for the Georgia heavyweight title. And Mongo had the title, 
and it was title versus mask. And I, I don't know how long it lasted, you know, maybe maybe half hour, 45 minutes, whatever. But anyway, some point during the match, Mongo twisted Tim's mask. He twisted it so, you know, he, he, he couldn't see. And he just, he just, Mongo pounded and pounded and pounded and pounded. And finally... At some point, you remember the remember the the small package Timmy used to do when he would stand on his head. Exactly. He pulled his mask off. He reached up and pulled his own mask off and threw it straight up in the air. Shot Mongol into the ropes. Put that small package on him, standing on his head where his face was hid. One, two, three. Somebody there's at the ring throwing him a towel. They give him the belt and they leave. And I'll never forget the next day on TV. Danny Jack said, "This man don't understand English." When the mask came off, he thought the match was over. <laughs> and I, see, it, it, it makes sense. It makes sense, you know. So I just, I remember that. Well, don't think Danny Jack didn't have some heat. Oh, geez. oh my goodness! Didn't he? Oh. Yes, he did. And he was one of those guys that you know, if you if you didn't understand the business. Uh, you know, and just were a, a hardcore fan. He was one of those guys that you just loved to hate. You know? Oh, oh, he he was <laughs> he was something. Except in Dothan, he was a baby face in Dothan. Wow! The one night they brought him in, they had uh, J.C. Dykes was in uh, was in the Mobile Territory with the uh, with the Yankees, at the, which at that time was Curtis Smith and Mike McManus. And they had a running deal with, uh, started with Dick Dunn. And Dick Dunn went through a series of partners, and he couldn't he couldn't uh, get anybody to team with. Finally, he got uh, Tony Gonzalez, the medic, to come out of retirement and team with him. And they were, they were running a deal. And, of course, you know, J.C. Dykes with his whistle and his canteen was constantly interfering. So they decided, well, they were gonna, they're, they're going to get themselves a manager. So they brought Dandy Jack in. And he was a, he managed a baby face team. <laughs> the only time he ever came in the mobile. I love it. Or he wasn't he in was, mobile. He never he never worked anywhere but Dothan. Uh, he was, he still worked. Excuse me. Where did he work other than Georgia as as JC? I mean as uh, Dandy Jack. Anywhere? He worked or? in Florida. He managed a ton of people down there. But believe it or not, he had a run in the. Late '60s in New York, he managed wow. uh, he managed uh, Bull Ramos, and he managed somebody else in New York. I never knew and that. He, I never knew yep. that. Never. Yep. I, I, he just didn't seem like a New York manager at all. Uh, what was he I didn't. I'm sorry. I Jay. don't know where he was okay. actually from, but he. He wrestled in in Chicago. I've got him on some of those old uh, Dumont tapes. He was Strangler Odell. No, he was Strangler Odell. And as a like Gary Hart as a wrestler. Are you talking about Jack Crawford or Homer Odell? No, I'm I'm thinking Homer Odell. You're right, Bobby. Jack Crawford. He only wrestled when he when he. Gotten six mans or, or yeah, well, it was an angle or something. I'm thinking he'd always wear a really unusual outfit. Uh, I did a radio interview with him one time for a spot, and uh, you know we were doing for some local matches here, and uh, you know we talked for a few minutes before the interview, and 
and uh, he said, you know my tagline, and I said, yeah. So I thanked him for the for the interview, and he said, and you know the the what did he call it? The uh, it was all yours. The, the pleasure, it's been a real pleasure. All pleasure yours. was all yours. Yeah. <laughs> it's been when, a while, when, Bobby. Uh, tell- were you working, Jerry, when, uh, when, uh, were you still with Ann when we did the taping in Macon that time at that cable station? Or was that after you guys yeah, backed yeah, out? Yeah, 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 yeah. We did Remember when Jack tape. Crawford came in that and, and did those tapes with us? Yes. I did an interview with him. I, you mentioned that, Jay. I'm going to tell you something. As a kid growing up, you're right. You wanted to hate him. You wanted to kill him. You, you just thought he was an obnoxious jerk wearing that tuxedo. Yeah. I did an interview with him at that TV at that little old cable station that Saturday. We were doing some interviews to plug in, in in spots, and I'm doing this interview with him. And when he hit me with that line at the end of that thing, it was all I could do to just keep him getting absolutely giddy. It just thrilled sure. me to death to be able to do that with him. Absolutely, I, I, I Yeah, to hear him say that, you know, that radio interview I did with him, and he and he set it up for me, but you know, beforehand to make sure I I knew what the yeah. line was. And uh, but uh, you know that to have done something like that with him, I mean it was it was just great. I enjoyed it so much. He worked for he worked for years for a construction company out in Snellville, just very low key. Nobody knew where he was, what he was doing, but he worked for a construction company out there for years. And uh, and I heard that he passed away a few years ago. And uh, but yeah, he uh, well, he was a Jerry, classic. I mean, Jerry's really, dead really on, brother. Fun. He had a ton of heat in this territory. <laughs> well, you're going he, back he, to he, talking about the Dr. M thing. Didn't they do a thing where they everybody knew it was Mongol, but they couldn't prove it or something? And then they finally right. had him team with Dr. M, and they put Oki Shakina. Oki Shakina, yeah. Yeah, they did that. Which I thought was funny because Mongol was taller than Oki, and as soon as Oki came out in that Doctor M, you know, you knew it wasn't the right one. <laughs> and uh, who was it? Mongol was managed there for a while by somebody named uh, Professor X or something like that. Who was that? Do you guys That's... remember that angle? I don't remember that. I don't when, remember. When was that? When was that, Mike? I don't know. I just happened to have pictures of him with the guy. And the guy's name was, he was called Professor X, and I've seen a, it had to have been before the split because it was the program that I've seen the picture in um, was a was was a Garibaldi program. It wasn't one of hands. Dickie, Dickie did. So it had to have been, you know, before the split, 70, 71, somewhere in there. <laughs> the guy where he wore a, he wore a business suit and a black mask. I called Professor no X or or Should have been Comrade X or something stupid like that. Should have been Bobby Simmons. He's not telling. Yeah. <laughs> it was Charlie. It was Charlie Smith. <laughs> uh, but um, you talking about Dandy Jack? I mean, he was down in Florida. He managed. Uh, the Samoans down there, which was uh, Teal and Reno, same two that came up here. And then um, he and Buddy Colt were together down there. And Buddy, he and Buddy Colt were together here in Georgia, too, wasn't, weren't they? No, Homer managed Buddy here. That's right. That's right. 
He who, who else did Danny Jack? He managed uh, Norvell here, didn't he? I think he managed Norvell for a while. They tried to bring him back, you know, after the thing after the run with Mongol, and then they turned out Mongol Babyface, um, and he, I'm sure, I can't remember who, but Jack had somebody else there. You know, I'm sure he picked up somebody else, but then he then he just sort of faded away. I mean, I don't know where he went. He might have went to Florida, wherever he went, but. They tried to bring him back during the split. You know, they were trying anything to, you know, and I remember they brought him back, but he just never captured what he had when he was here the first time. Was that working for the Atlanta office or for you? For No, for he worked Anthem? for the Atlanta office. He never worked okay, for Okay, I'm, I'm trying to think who that might have been uh, that he would have uh, he would have managed. It was probably when he was managing Norville. Could very well have been, because Rocket and uh, Sputnik and uh, Norvell all came into here during the split. They left, uh, well, Rocket left Mobile, and they were all up here during the split. Yeah, uh, uh, J.C. Dykes was early in the split was the primary manager here with his Super Infernos, whatever they were, and uh, that was that was Curtis and uh, Doug. Gilbert. Yes. And then they brought... Yeah, Doug, uh, Doug Gilbert wore, in addition to his mask, he wore these little filters over his eyes. Uh, he wore so he pantyhose. See, uh, whatever it was, you, he could see through it, but, uh, you know, supposed yeah, to keep what it was. you from being... Because he had that big, bushy beard, and so in order to keep it from poking out under the mask, he uh, he put a pair of pantyhose on first. That had to be very like uncomfortable. He was, like he was like he was going to rob a, a convenience store, and then he put the hood on. That that had to be really rough. And he had that he had that white uh, patch that he had on over one knee on his his tights. That's how you could tell him from from well, he he was a lot bigger than Smitty to begin with. But I didn't know if that was a stipulation that they that they kayfabe that the office made so they couldn't do a switch. Yeah, you're they right. I can't, wear yeah, I can't imagine wearing pantyhose under a mask. I'm gonna tell you, you've never wore a mask. That's like that's like wrestling with your head in a fishbowl. It's it's the yeah, most. That, the, these guys that, that that made a living do it. I mean, I have a world of respect for them because it was sure. not Tom easy. Tom and Jody, and well, oh. in the summertime, how they did yes, that. Yes, sir. Gosh, my. especially when when the when the assassins wore those satin masks. Yeah, they. I can't imagine. I, the the most claustrophobic I've ever been was the night I went to Athens, and and they had when I went up as as Randy Cully's partner because Jody was in Knoxville, and uh, as it worked as an assassin. That is the most claustrophobic I have ever been. I wore one of Jody's masks and it was the silk, and he, and Jody didn't tie his up with a shoelace. Man, he had he had it was almost like rope, and I and I tied that thing down. I mean, it was awful. I couldn't wait to get out of it. How long was your? Uh, can you remember how long your match was that night, Bob? I don't know, about twenty minutes. Well, of all people, I worked with Ole and Lars. Gee, that made it seem like twenty hours, didn't it? Well, you know, Ole threatened Lars if he messed with me, and Ole Ole was very—I mean, it was very easy. He was—I I mean, you know. 
I backed him in the corner and told him, I said, I've been waiting to do this for 10 years, and I popped him one. <laughs> of course, I paid for it dearly, but, you know, it was worth it. But, no, he was very – I didn't have a bit of problem that night. It wasn't bad at all. But I just – yeah, it's working on that. You know, uh, if you've ever been to Athens, it was not air-conditioned. It was hot, and uh, me wearing that mask is just and, – and not only that, it's just all those times that, you know, they had to knock those fans out and had those near rights and stuff. Yeah, wearing it, it cuts your peripheral vision down. I mean, it was just horrible. Especially if you had to wear one of those cheap K&H masks that, that were so tied up under the chin. Yeah. I hated that. that that's what I had to wear the three weeks I was Mr. Junior America because I, I borrowed an outfit from Mario Galento, um, and it was one of the old um, – Blue Inferno or, or Blue Demon outfits. They were before they switched in here. When they were the Super Assassins in here, they had a the Mexican-made mask. But when they first started as the Blue Demons, they um, just wore the the K and H stuff, and I looked like Batman. The seams of those things looked like ears on the top of my head. <laughs> You just didn't have enough head to stretch it out. I guess not. <laughs> or whoever, whoever, I must have had uh, Al Green's uh, mask, leftover mask, because it was, it was so loose. <laughs> but you're right, that thing was, uh, that, that double-knit nylon and, and that black leather face on it, that thing was hot. Mm-hmm. The first first night I wore it was in Dothan, and you know what that building was like. Farm center, no air conditioning. And this was yeah. this was on the fourth of July. <laughs> yep. <clears throat> but you know, for people that you know went to Atlanta and a few other places, uh, and and the, the matches would you know go anywhere from from fifteen to minutes to an hour usual. Uh, you know, I don't think they ever realized that uh, going into the small towns, most of the places you worked in the small towns didn't have air conditioning, right? Oh, God. Most of them didn't have hot water You were lucky if they had the running showers. water in some of the towns I worked <laughs> in. Exactly. You'd go to these high school gyms, and it'd be 900 degrees, and the shower heads would be missing. And if you were fortunate, the water would come on, but there was never any hot water. I mean, you just, oh, it was, a, you know. And then you'd go to some buildings that didn't have any water at all. I remember one time working in a farm. It wasn't a farm center. They called it a, uh, it was in, in Dublin, Georgia. They called it a, a agriculture center or something. But it was like where they where they did cattle auctions. It was kind of round, and the, but the floor was dirt. and uh, Exhibition. We had to go out back in a, in a stall out behind the building and hold a water hose on each other. Well, it's obvious you never wrestled in Quincy, Florida. At <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Quincy Farm it's, Center. Sounds exciting. It's basically the same same deal. That and the Wade Kennedy, the Wade Kennedy Livestock Arena in Hattiesburg. <laughs> the Gulf Coast has some classic buildings, I tell you. The Rainbow Roller, the Rainbow Garden, as they called it, the Rainbow Roller Rink in Panama City. It's now a a, a, a U-Haul storage place or something now. 
Was it Panama City where they put the ring out on the water every once in a while? Yep. Yeah. Yep. I've experienced that. Because you could bet somebody was going to take a bump in the water. You I mean you oh, just yeah. knew it would go out. The Fargos, the Fargos did because they'd hide a bottle of Jack Daniels up under the ring. And they'd want to get pitched out, so they'd swim under the ring and take them a swig and then, you know, get back in the ring and say, pitch me out again. <laughs> yeah, that Rocky McGuire, they did that in the early 60s, or late 50s, early 60s. That was one of Rocky McGuire's things. They built a ring on on some pontoons. And uh, before they uh, before they started running in the in the Rainbow Arena, they worked a place. It was called um, God. I have to go back and look at my clipping, but it was it was called the Wharf Arena or, or something like. That. And it was down there on off a pier. And so they decided in the summertime, every once in a while, just to have something special, they they'd run that ring out there and float it out there. And I guess they carried the guys out there in a rowboat or something. And uh, got them into the ring, and of course, you know, the Fargos would get there early and hide them a bottle or two up under the ring. Mm. And they usually work with the Fields brothers, and, and you know, they'd have them pitch them out of the ring, and so they'd swim up under there and take a nip. <laughs> uh, they should have had that with one of the like a coal miners match where they put it up on the pole or something, or be thrown out of the ring to get it. Well, you never knew what those nuts were going to do. Bill Bowman told me before he ever got into business, he was a fan. And they were working in uh, Alberta, Alabama, a little spot show at the uh, the VFW place there. And the Fargos were working with uh, Don and Bobby Fields. And the place um, had a low drop ceiling. So you really couldn't do any high spots, you know, high back body drops or anything like that, you'd knock the, the drop ceiling out of the place. But what they did is they Fargo came up, Don Fargo came up with a finish uh, where both the Fields brothers threw him into the ropes, and then when he came off, they lifted him up like they were going to do a back double back body drop, and he went up through the ceiling and grabbed the rafters and held on, and they counted him out. That was the finish of the match. Bill Bowman told me about that. Said he was there, sitting at ringside, and saw that. Huh. And that building's still there. That, that Alberta VFW Hall is still there. Yeah, VFWs, hang on, buddy. <laughs> well, they just they just keep uh, you know fixing up the the little club room and. Take the bullet holes out of the. Well, the one I got arrested in in Selma, they they've closed it down and opened up a newer one. I don't know if that was a VF. That was a National Guard Armory. I don't ever remember working at a VFW in Georgia. That was the only one I know of in in in. Around the Gulf Coast territory, and I worked in plenty of them. You know, these little spot shows or these outlaw shows. I worked in, I think, the one in uh, Fayette, Alabama, where the Commoder was. That was that was a VFW hall, and there was a, there was one in um, Atala, Alabama, where we worked. 
fact, that was the only card I ever worked there. Levi Banks worked on that card. Because I remember him from Mobile. What was the angle that turned Mongol babyface in, in Atlanta? You guys remember? It was uh, the his partners turned on him. Uh, let's see. Well, if they, I they it set here. it up. They set it up by him losing a match or two because Dandy Jack interfered and or cost him a match, and him and Dandy Jack would get to arguing a little bit. And uh, uh, yeah. Mongo was that was about to say, Ka- didn't they bring Kubla Khan in? Sort well, of that, was his, later, that, that was later, Bobby. Uh, well, his first time was in 1968. He was partnered with Tarzan Tyler in a match against the Torres brothers. After okay. losing the match, Tyler and Crawford attacked El Mongo, blaming him for the loss. Okay. And uh, at that time, that was his first babyface turn. Of course, he did okay. you know, went, went the other way, but... Uh, and then he was supposedly had his contract sold by Crawford, uh, and that's when he left and went back to the WWA in '69 before coming back to Georgia, and uh, that's when he went changed from being uh, Bill from uh, Mongolia to being from Lima, Peru. But uh, he, I guess he was a he was a, a heel again when he came back. Uh, he worked against the pro and. Uh, then he lost again after a six-man tag team match. Went to Tampa, Florida in '69. Uh, returned to Georgia Championship Wrestling for his third stint in 1970. Uh, he took he worked the Georgia Champ- Championship uh, match against Dick Bronkwinkle. That was the TV title. Uh, and uh, then he reteamed with the pro. And uh, he teamed with Bo- oh, this was the interesting in October and November of 1970. He teamed with Bobo Brazil in tag matches that were historically significant for their interracial composition. The success increased the confidence of Atlanta regional promoters to book more interracial matches in the future without fear of crowd problems. I never noticed any crowd problems there when they would do that. Did you, Bobby? No, there wasn't any. That was that's when they run they had that run they worked with Tom and Jody. But you know, up until that time if you had black wrestlers on the card, they wrestled each other, and it was always the first match. Yeah, Matt Jewell and somebody. Matt Jewell. Matt Jewell and Tom Jones, or Matt Jewell and uh, um, uh, who else did he work? They came through Mobile. He They brought Shag Thomas in. Um, he was called King Toby, um, Tiger Conway. But usually, when the, in in the late '60s, when when Matt Jewell came through, he always he was always wrestling Tom Jones. Bobby, you mentioned or somebody mentioned Tarzan Tyler a while ago. When Ann was running, did Tyler come in for? Uh, yes, he did. Yes, he did. That's the first. That's where somebody ever actually met him. He came in. Uh, he started in Columbus on a Monday night at the, at the football stadium. I remember. That was the first time I'd ever seen him. You know, I mean, first time I'd ever met him. He was and, a big, uh, impressive man. I tell you, he was yes, yes, he had a tan all the time. He was strange, but he was 
he was good to work with. Yeah. Yeah. Died in a car wreck in Canada. Yep. Yep. She sure was uh, Adrian Adonis. And Lefevre. Wasn't that his, his name? Yeah, Pierre Lefevre. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, right. I, I, I'm thinking that was two different car wrecks. It was it was uh, Adrian Adonis, uh, the Bear Man, and uh, one of the Kelly twins was killed in one. Yep. And well, then, I didn't know, uh, I didn't know one of the Kelly twins was killed in a. I did not know yeah. that. Yes, yeah, sir. Arco. I think it was. Uh, I think it was Pat Victor Arco. You know, they were their real names were William and Victor Arco. Um, Speaking of strange, yeah. yeah. Oh, I don't want to get into that tonight. <laughs> Did they? Uh, oh, I know they were. They were. They had a reputation of being strange and thing. But did they? Uh, did they? They finish out their their run? It wasn't here just a reputation, may I add? It was true. Well, you, you know. But did I mean, they, did, they, they, did they finish out their their run here? Or did they just disappear? They did a, they did a run as the Kelly twins here. Yes. Then they came back later on as as Germans. Yes. The, 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 the they shaved their the heads and grew a beard and came back twins. as Germans. Yeah, they were the Schmidt twins. Schmidt. Redhead yeah. Germans. Helmet and something or another. Yeah. Wolf they, they Helmet shaved their heads. Yeah. Shaved their heads. Did they wrestle for Ann? They wrestled for Ann. Yeah. They they were. Uh, you know the Kelly twins. They were here. They were here when the split first happened. I think they were here, or they came in shortly thereafter. I believe they were here when the split happened. But yeah, they were there. And the reason I was asking they, they Ann, came in the mobile. Worked, when they worked for Ann, they worked as the Germans, right? No, no they no, worked they, as Kelly they, twins. Oh, okay. Kelly twins. Germans does came anybody much know later. If after, does anybody know if after the one got got killed, if the other one continued to work? I think he may have done a shot or two, but he, he pretty much. I mean, this was in the mid '80s, so they were well. Uh, in, you know, they were well yeah, in their careers. I, I, I think Dunkel, other than maybe maybe in you know, they were from Hamilton. Unless they they worked up that way somewhere, maybe for for um, <clears throat> the Kazaboskis or Bearman. I think Ann's uh, promotion was the first first American promotion they ever worked in. Because they came into Mobile in 77, and uh, put the, they put the tag belts on them. And uh, they had a good program going with uh, Ken Lucas and Ricky Fields. And then they just disappeared, quit showing up. That was right at the end of the, the – that was maybe two months before that promotion went out of business. So then they may have quit paying them or something. I don't know, but I know they were they were odd. But then after they, they had to know why they left. Yeah, I mean, after they Charlie uh, Smith loved them. Who? He had a great affinity for them. Charles Smith. Charlie Smith. He must have sold them a lot of stuff. No, they were in. He was in, he was in Savannah and. Uh, you know they were they were goofy. You had to watch them because they didn't. You know you didn't know what they was going to do because they didn't know what they was going to do. And uh, one of them bealed a guy 
Charlie was putting somebody out of the ring, and they bailed the guy right out of the corner into the back of Charlie's leg. Put him on crutches for about two months, three months. Couldn't couldn't even walk. Tore that they, knee they, up. Uh, man, those jokers, man. I, I thought they were working everybody at first. I can't. You have to you have to see it. They would be they would be tying their shoe, and they would just throw their hand up there. I mean, they had this little <laughs> quirk about them. They would hold their hand up like they were raising their hand, but they'd just be, you know, they'd throw it up there and they'd go back time, just, you know, they'd be talking to you and they'd throw their hand. I mean, they was, they was, they were strange. Did, well, I, uh, rode they, with, I rode in the back seat with them with one of them driving. You should have oh, seen God. that. Oh, wow. Mm. Where do you remember where you were going, Jerry? Yeah, Klondike Bill and I were riding with. We, uh, I don't know why I caught a ride from. I don't know. We went to Gainesville. And I've never been so glad to get out of a car in my life. I think I should have got a story of what I did to him, but we'll do that another time. So how did, how did you get back from Gainesville? With the Kelly twins. Oh, you rode back with them? They had just bought a car. I'll tell that next week. <laughs> God. <laughs> Save it. That, that'll be a that'll be something to get our uh, listeners to come back next week to hear that story. You got to hear this. We're getting, we're getting close to Halloween, Halloween, so we need some we need some spooky well, tales. I can't we'll imagine being in a car next with week. Them. Next week on Peach State Pandemonium, Jerry <laughs> Jerry Oates tells the story of uh, riding with the Kelly twins. Be, be story, man. It can't be no worse than riding with the sheep herders <laughs> and Joe LaDuke. Oh, uh, you know that wasn't nice with him. That 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 rolling his eyes and all that that crazy talk. That wasn't an act with him. I don't nicest think he guy was, in the world. Sure. Nice guy. Yeah, he was. He was. He but was. he just he was he he just wasn't all there. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the sheep herders. It wasn't an act with them either. Luke Williams is about as nutty as a fruitcake, but again, a nice guy. And, and I can't say the same for for Boyd. He was he wasn't the nicest fellow in the world. He had a propensity for young 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 girls. I'm well, talking about young he... girls. <laughs> nutty is a fruitcake, and nice guy usually don't go together, Mike. Unless yeah, you know. Luke was just you know he just. If you've ever seen them, whether you saw them as the sheep herders or the kiwis or the bushwhackers or whatever, and the way he he you know you know Boyd did all the talking for that team, and and Luke could stand behind him and repeat what he said, you know, just and just and roll his eyes, and that wasn't an act either. That's the way. Maybe he was kayfaving, you know, because I was green or something. He was just kayfaving me, but. But that's the way he was too. Nice guy and everything. He offered to share his Jack Daniels with me, but uh, you know, God. riding Wanted the three of them, I needed up, it. Mike. I was the only one that didn't have my own bottle, and I needed it worse than all of them did. <laughs> I just wanted to get you liquored up, Mike. Could be. There's young no guy. telling. I, 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 you know, I took a swig, but that was about it. I was afraid to go to sleep because that was the first thing I learned in the wrestling business. Is, is if you were sharing a room with somebody or if you were riding in a car with somebody, don't be the first to fall asleep. 
because you'd wake up if you had a mustache, you'd only have half of it, or you wouldn't have any eyebrows. Uh, well, you know I had I, I had a little uh, thing that I that I perfected, but I won't go into that on the air. But uh, your rib I pulled on people that fell asleep first, especially if well, I was riding in a van. A lot of our guys in the business turned into alcoholics just being around some of these guys. Yep. I cannot imagine riding with Luke Graham or, or Moondog Maine or Jerry no. Graham or Sputnik or. No, I'm getting caught him, guys. <clears throat> I wouldn't have rode with him, but I'll tell you, Luke was one of those people. I wanted him to have a drink before we got in the ring because it mellowed him out. You know, he, 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 he was a drink before he went. <laughs> yeah, he, and, and, he was a good guy to work with too. Though. He, oh he yeah, was he was. I, I love Luke. We had a lot of fun with him. He was a good guy to work with. They, they uh, the, the the moon dog moon dog. I wouldn't have rode. I wouldn't have rode around the block with moon dog because you did you. I had kind of made my mind up. I wasn't going to jail because of somebody else's craziness. You sound like <laughs> and some me, of these, and some of these guys, you just didn't know what they was going to do. Well, speaking of craziness, it hasn't stopped. This is from this week's Wrestling Observer. WWE producer and agent and former wrestler and TV. Uh, persona James Gibson, 39, uh, better known as James Noble, was hospitalized over the weekend in Roanoke, Virginia, with serious wounds after being stabbed multiple times in front of his mobile home. Uh, He'd been on the road, driven 350 miles. He gets out of his car, and these three guys get out and say they tried to cut cut him off. Okay, so he said, I'm sorry. Next thing you know, the one guy stabbed him. Uh, in his lung area and in his and in his, in his uh, spine area, so he went to the ER. But uh, that's that that happened just supposedly because you know you hear about this road rage stuff that goes on, but 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 this is ridiculous. Uh, you know, something like that. Three guys jumping you uh, in front of your trailer. Who knows? But uh, it's 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 not over with, folks. It still goes on. Yep. And then Alberto Del Rio supposedly was was stabbed and uh, well his story has changed so many times they don't know what's going on with him but uh, he uh, he used that excuse to skip a bunch of bookings and now he's been named the president of some outlaw MMA group so I don't know outlaw what's MMA group yep my God uh, yeah there's well. Certain states still haven't, uh, uh, you know, the the officials still haven't authorized MMA. Well, I'm, I'm using the term outlaw because that's what you know. Back in our day, that's what they were called. But it's a it's one that's not uh, it's not UFC or one right. of the major ones. S- small group, yeah. independent. Uh, yeah, yep. it's 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 an it's an up and coming one. <laughs> um, and evidently, with him being made named president of it, I don't know what that's going to do for, you know, his wrestling career. You know, because he was an MMA fighter um, prior to getting into the wrestling business, and he he fought MMA with his mask on. You know, because he's Dos Caras' son, and Mil Mascaris' nephew. Well, CM Punk didn't do too good in the uh, in that racket, did he? 
Yeah, he didn't, last, he didn't he last didn't. long. Yeah, he got worked over. I, I just think going right now in MMA are these uh, female fighters that uh, really, really are drawing fans. One girl named Chris Cyborg. Uh, I've yeah. seen her fight several times. She is she's extremely good. And I, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't want to say anything wrong to her. My goodness, she, she's unbelievable. Well, Ronda Rousey, I guess, is is on her comeback trail. The yeah, girl yeah. she lost the title to has turned around and lost it again in her first fight. Well, you know, she has Ronda Rousey has got going for not only her abilities but also her looks, which was. Uh, a, you know, a big a big drawing factor. And uh, so, you know, you, you either find the girls now, which was not unusual in our day, that either have the abilities and they don't, they're not going to draw any crowds by the way they look, uh, or they really look good, but they can't do anything. So Cyborg, she's not the best-looking girl in the world. She's okay, but she's definitely has... You know the chops. She's she's excellent. Well, MMA has been around what twenty twenty five years, something like that. Well, I remember it. You know the early days of it, and Bobby, you probably remember it too. The guy named Joe Corley uh, yep. started the uh, involved in the Professional Karate Association, yep. and uh, I can remember seeing those fights at the Omni uh, back in the late late seventies, early eighty, and Corley was uh, billed as the middleweight champion. Uh, but they they had uh, guys come in and they called it professional karate and they had to they were mostly boxers and they had to throw so many kicks uh, per round in order not to lose points and uh, you know I, I saw some of those fights and, and by today's standards in MMA they they weren't much they were mostly boxers but uh, that was as far as I know how, you know how the first of those type fights started well, that moved, boxing matches per se. And, and- Kickboxing has been around in in Asian countries for a, a thousand years, I guess. Sure, but it wasn't done um, here. But but as far as the the um, the cages and all that stuff that they fight in, I guess most of that came uh, sprang from the old uh, tough man contest that they used yeah, to have. I, I, yeah, I think that was uh, in between the professional karate, which you know was was guys that were fighting for for a purse, and they were predominantly boxers, learning some karate skills, then the tough men contest, and they were and they worked in regular boxing rinks, and then the tough guy contest that came on later on that were unsanctioned, most of them, by anybody. But and then the MMA the sort next, of came out. Uh, the next 10, 15 years, the MMA will be worked, too. If it's not already worked. Well, you're starting to see Goldberg and some of these guys that have been big in professional wrestling. Uh, you know, they're, they're, I think what's happening with them is they're showing these guys how to do interviews, and uh, and that's that's going to be the next big thing is uh, is is doing the uh, heel babyface type thing and try to keep it legit yeah, for a while. But I think you're right, Mike. At run. some point, at some point, that's gonna that's gonna happen. They're going to have to start working, or they're going to kill each other off. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, that's... that's and I guess, well, you know, I, guess it, I guess it has its market 
You know, it doesn't interest me at all. I've never watched one. You know what, buddy? I, I don't even watch it. I yeah, I, it doesn't interest me at all. Me either. And never I just, watched you know. Uh, they have their drug problems. They're watched pretty closely. Uh, the big problem with these guys is they, you know, the the big organizations have their belts. And uh, when these guys work and they build up for a championship, the problem is a lot of times these guys come in overweight. And uh, when they when that happens, they're fined and they have to change it to a non-title bout, which, you know, in, in work situations that would, you know, that wouldn't happen. Right. Well, yeah, gentlemen, I'm going to have to depart. i got early morning in the morning. Uh, right, don't, forget your story for ne- don't forget your story for next week, Jerry. Uh, I'll have it juiced up and ready to go, guys. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Well, promo for next, that's promo for next week right here on Peach State Pandemonium. <laughs> well, guys, I appreciate y'all asking about us uh, over here, and I, and I really appreciate it. Well, we're All right. glad that uh, you and you and Kathy came through, and I'm glad she didn't yes, kill sir. you being locked up in locked up in a hotel room with you overnight. She did good. <laughs> she, 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 she really wasn't afraid, so that that was that, that was good. So, all right. Good night, Jerry. I'll see y'all next week, guys. Good, good night, night, Jerry. All right, Jerry. Okay, Take care. Bye, guys. Bye, bye. Okay, got pretty quiet there. I'm just sitting here watching this baseball game. The Dodgers are going to let me down. They're going to let the darn Nationals win this series. What's the score? One to nothing now, but that's the way their games have been been close all all week. You know, they'll they'll get into late innings, and then Washington will go up by two runs, and the Dodgers can't do anything with them. I just, some reason I just don't like the Nationals. I don't know if it's because of the the uh, rivalry with uh, with Atlanta, us being both being in the Eastern Division. But uh, I used to hate the Dodgers because we were in the, Atlanta was in the Western Division. That was all, the fun of going to see the uh, Atlanta play the Dodgers because you knew the Dodgers were gonna gonna beat them, but then I just wanted to go to to boo Tommy Lasorda. I never, you know, I, I, when when he was uh, pitching for the Dodgers, I couldn't stand Don Sutton. I didn't like the way he looked, didn't like the way he pitched, didn't like his attitude, and now, man, I look forward. I listen to the radio more than I watch TV, because uh, I love to hear his analysis of the games. Yeah, he was at the... Um... The uh, final game of Turner Field, he they you know they did a little ceremony at the end of yeah, it. Yeah, I saw that. I watched that. And he was uh, he was there for that. But um, I don't know. Of course, uh, the big news with the Braves is they've they've named Brian Snitker the uh, the manager, yeah. the regular regular season manager, so they've gone, mm-hmm. they've only given him a one year contract, which I guess makes sense. In case, you know I'm sure ticket sales went well. through the roof when he was named. Yeah. Well the way they ended up the season, they'll probably start out drawing pretty good out there. He did a pretty good job with the team, you know, he, he he's a he's like Bobby Cox, he's a players manager, so that may be a good thing. 
Well, not that, but he's been in the organization for 40 years. You know, he was a backup catcher back in the 70s for the Braves, and he's never uh, he's he's never been with any other club. He's always either managed or or coached with the uh, the Braves. So that was a smart move to me, you know. But uh, we'll see how they do. They'll have to they'll have to start their uh, their season in their new ballpark without me, I'm afraid. <laughs> well, yeah, we, haven't, I don't uh, we haven't heard from Dennis Mitchell in a while. He's uh, he's been holding a while. Let's uh, see if he's got any uh, got any words of wisdom for us. Dennis, are you there? Yeah, guys, how y'all doing tonight? Good, Good. fine, no fine. We're pretty talked out, Dennis. So we wanted to see what was going on with you. <laughs> it was, was a toss up between you and Charlie Smith, and you uh, you won. I'm glad. <laughs> of course, that'll always be the case. You'll always win over Smitty. Yeah. Uh, I was going to ask Jay and Bobby especially, did y'all ever have the pleasure of meeting Milo Hamilton, who stood the Braves games and Cubs games? Uh, well, uh, I don't know that I ever met him. I know who he was. I listened to him, you know, growing up here in, in Atlanta, but uh, I don't know that I ever met him. Uh, I, I never I just, met him either. I, I'm sorry, Bobby. I thought you were done. Uh, <laughs> I, I listened to him a lot. I thought he was an excellent announcer. Uh, one of the problems with Milo at the time was he was considered to be a, as today you would you would expect them to be in, in some cases, but he was deemed a hometown announcer, which meant that he he favored the hometown team over the uh, whoever they were playing and, and played up what the hometown team did uh, and played down the opponent. But, uh, you know, I, that's when you work for an organization and they're make, giving you your paycheck, as he said, uh, uh, you know, it's, uh, the lines become blurred there at, at, at some point. Uh, but uh, I, I thought he was excellent. Yeah, I was – I was just wondering, that's all, about that. The days gone by with Skip Carey, Pete Van Reeren, oh, yeah. and Ernie Johnson. And yeah, that, that, that was the to... threesome. When I first started watching them, it was uh it was Ernie Johnson, Skip Van, uh, Skip Carey, and, and Pete Van Weeren, and, and because I started following them in 81, the year before I moved here. Um, that was the season that they started off, what, one, 12, 13 in a row? Right. Yeah. yeah. That's that was 82 when Gene Garber was playing, Bruce Benedict, and Dale Murphy, Bob Horner. And yeah, I can I can still name the the, the uh, starting lineup for the Braves in 82 when I first moved here, but I, you know, I couldn't tell you who plays, had been playing for them two years ago until I started following them again. But, yeah. um, and then they brought in uh, Ernie Johnson kind of, uh, Went into semi-retirement, and they brought in Joe Simpson, who's still with them, or he's not with yeah, the Braves yeah. anymore, but he's with, you know, does their games. And then yeah. Don Sutton followed him, you know, when, yeah. uh, and then it was, there were five of them there for a while. Yeah, that's true. Well, guys, on the wrestling, on the wrestling question, man, are they going to have that wrestling event in Rome, Georgia, again this year or not? Everybody's promoting a big show on. Or I say a big show, whatever a big show is. They're they're promoting something in Rome on Thanksgiving Day. Uh, okay. I'm, 
but it's, I think it's going to start about two or three o'clock in the afternoon, which makes no sense to me. But right, uh, people are still eating. Well, <laughs> you know, Thanksgiving used to be a wonderful day. We first time we ever broke a hundred thousand dollar barrier was on Thanksgiving night in Atlanta. Uh, it was yeah. a great time, but times have changed. Uh, you know, we had to contend with Black Friday. Now you contend with Black Wednesday, Black Thursday, Black Friday. They don't, the stores mm-hmm. don't close. So the stores are open all the time. You've got football games all day long. Plus, now you have the NFL playing a night game on Thanksgiving. So you've got that to contend with. So there's a lot of challenges now for running on Thanksgiving that we didn't have years ago. But yeah. uh, these these people are trying to run, and and uh, I'm not sure who all's there, but, but it's supposed to start at 3 o'clock, and it's uh, somewhere in Rome. I'm not sure exactly where, but... Uh, yeah, I just wonder. I haven't heard about that reunion type situation up there. Yeah, I just, I just wonder. I, don't, I saw some reds from the Observer that might catch Michael's eye. What do you think of Billy Corgan suing Dixie Carter over TNA? That's the first I've heard of that. Surprise! What do you know, Dennis? About that? Uh, so I didn't read all of it. It was on Wrestling Observer. Billy Corgan, the musician with Smashing Pumpkins, owns part of TNA, but he's suing Dixie right. Carter now. And I tell she's you, still I, involved. I hope it, yeah, unfortunately, yes. Yeah, unfortunately, she is. I, uh, she hasn't been doing a good job running it. You know, I think if you put Miss Piggy and Kermit Frog on the Muppets, they could do a better job than Dixie <laughs> Carter. My well, that whole thing in this. Uh, I got this from from Ronnie West. Um, We were talking about something. That whole, her whole involvement of that, you know, when that first started, TNA first started, it was was Jerry Jarrett's deal. That's right. He started it all, yeah. And, uh, of course, Jeff was up there working for him. And then uh, somewhere along the line, Dixie Carter met Jeff, saw him on TV or something, decided... She wanted to be involved with him, and so yeah. that's how she uh, she talked her dad into Sinclair. Oh. Uh, you know that whatever the the company is he owns, I don't know if it's Sin, Sinclair's or something else. Sinclair's a cable TV thing. Whatever, whatever his his power company is or electric company or whatever it is that he has. Um. And by that time, Jeff was, or Jerry was had walked away from it because uh, right. of Vince Russo's involvement and all that junk. But uh, uh, they pretty much bought it out. And, and as as uh, Ronnie told me, she bought the company just so she could date Jeff Jarrett. And, of course, it never oh, panned man. out that way. Um, and it's uh, – but, uh, I mean, I'm sure he's still – he still got some, you know, he started up and was supposedly going to start up this uh, global or whatever, his galaxy or whatever he was going to call his his new company that, that never got off the ground. Yeah, yeah I know. And, uh, but he's still involved somehow or another with, with TNA. But what what is he suing her over? The should, Did she... Block the sale of the tapes, uh, their tapes to Vince or something. I have no idea. I didn't. That was the last I heard. Was was Vince was trying to buy all their their videotape because he's got so many guys that uh, used to work for them now work for him. 
that he wants to put uh, DVDs out because that's that's how they make their money. They don't make their sure. money with wrestling. You no, know, they make their money guy. selling the gimmicks. Yeah, that's and, uh, that's true. Well, as, as I understand it, Dixie Carter still has the is the majority stockholder, but the company doesn't have any point. money. And uh, so this Billy Corgan uh, is pouring money into it to keep it going right now, but guys are complaining that uh, they're not getting paid. So there we go. Man, there we go on that, Jay, unfortunately. Maybe maybe he'll win that lawsuit against her, maybe. maybe he, uh, I couldn't. I, couldn't I haven't watched a TNA program since since uh, Jerry Jerry was involved with it, and that, when Bob Armstrong and all of them were there. Yeah, that's that was true. that was the last I've, I saw of, and that's been fifteen, sixteen years ago, whenever they first started. I remember he wrestled in Southeastern briefly when I my dad took me to wrestling at Civic Center in '79 for my birthday. I remember a wrestler that wrestled Austin Idol. My first two weeks for that, Austin Idol wrestled Ted Oates at Civic Center in Montgomery. Then he wrestled Frenchie Martin. You know, I guess you heard that Frenchie Martin's not doing good health wise. No, I had to hurt that remember, either. Do you remember Frenchie Martin? Oh, yeah. Yeah. He, yeah, I just wondered, did he ever wrestle in Georgia, too? I think he did. I want to say he came around about the same time that uh, uh, my, wasn't Mike Dubois in here one time before he came back as, as uh, the Russian? Mm-hmm. Yeah, wasn't I think he with so. Ann? Didn't Mike Mike the Judge Dubois work for for Ann? Him and Freddie Sweetan? I don't think so. I don't remember that name. No, I don't think so. Maybe, I don't think maybe, so that, maybe that was what they were working for the Crockett's. Yeah, okay. But I, I well, remember that Frenchie, Frenchie Martin, Martin passed through here at, at some point. Yeah, I was just wondering. I read that about him being in bad health on K-Fade Memories message board thing the other, the other day. I just wonder if y'all might have. You about them and and all that. I just was wondering about that and and all that. I I was going to ask you too, Michael. Are you going to have any special guests coming up on Peach State in the next few weeks? I've been meaning to to uh, ask Jerry. I I don't know if he ever talked to Ed Wiskoski or not. I thought about him the other day, getting seeing if Jerry ever talked to him and uh, trying to reach out to him. And I had. Scott Teal and I have talked about it a couple times, me reaching out to uh, Tony Atlas, but I haven't gotten his his uh, contact information yet. Yeah, I'm, well, of, cor- I was just of course, Dennis, you're always our fallback guest when, uh, uh, you know, they, they always had those on the talk shows, uh, people that were, were ready and interesting to talk to. And so, you know, when we run out of things to talk to, the first thing we look for is whether Dennis Mitchell's on the line with us or not. Yeah, it was usually yeah. usually on Johnny Carson. It was a ninety-year-old woman that had a hundred cats and and juggled bowling balls or or rode Man. motorcycles or something. Yeah, I tell you, that's amazing, amazing about that, guys. I tell you, I'm, I'm glad I listen to y'all show. It's a weekly thing for me. You know, like I said, I get, I, I I love the show because I give y'all free publicity on the sports radio show here in Montgomery. You know, of course, they're on the iHeartRadio app too. On iHeartRadio yeah. app, you know, on your, on your phones and and all that. I give y'all free plug on that show. We thank y'all you. deserve it. Right, you guys, live in Montgomery. You, you live in Montgomery, Dennis. Yeah, yeah, I live here in Montgomery. I've been living here most of my life. Y'all was talking about Tom Ernesto, Junior 
being remarried, he lives in a grange. Got a little yeah. tidbit for y'all guys. I grew up here. I've been living here since I was five. I was born 20 miles west of LaGrange, Georgia. I was born in Roanoke, Alabama. Been dropped it's on my head in Roanoke, Alabama. Really? Yeah, what we worked there. About? We used to work there once in a while. Really? Was that during before Ray Gunkel died or after? I, it was probably working with Ann. We we worked along that border there. In Roanoke, part of that that little three or four cities right there together. Uh, yeah, Roanoke, West Coast Point, and and we d- we down. Now West Point, West, West Point's on on eighty five going. Did uh, where Lagrange yeah. and all that's on twenty. Right, Lagrange right. is on eighty five, sir. What part of the world do you live in? <laughs> well, I, I was. I, I guess you. I guess you're right. You're right. You're right. I'm thinking of uh, uh, what's out twenty, Douglasville, twenty, Alapusa, Douglasville, going west. Yeah, Freeman. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Newman, you're right. Lagrange no, is right Frank. there. It's near West Point and Lynette and uh, yeah, and Lynette. Ugly, the other one I was saying. Yeah, ugly and not as ugly Alabama. Yeah, yeah there's East. There's East Point there uh, uh, in Alabama. I guess or it's right on the Georgia line. East West Point. Yeah. I mean West Point, West Point. I'm sorry, West Point. Yeah. I, I was born in East Point, and I always wondered what the, you know, what what East Point was all about, and it was the train uh, position, you know. And then it was, I was the told, end of the it was the end of the line at one point. And that's yeah, how I got the yeah. name. Yes, and then West yeah. Point was uh, uh, the other one. West Point, yeah. the, the other end. city in Alabama, or town in Alabama that's that's on Eastern Time Zone. Yeah, what Valley, city is that? Valley is. And West Valley's Point. on Eastern Time. Yeah, Valley, Valley, Valley is yeah. in in Phoenix City too, in Smith Station. Okay, that would be very difficult Phoenix to deal with. Yeah, Valley is where, and the building's still there, but I don't know if if West Point uh, Linen Factory is still in that building or not. That's where uh, they're one of the largest sheet manufacturers in the world was was at uh, Valley, Alabama. Yeah, 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 guys. That's interesting about tidbits like that. I didn't, I didn't know Georgia Championship wrestling wrestled in Roanoke. It must have been when I was a kid, little baby, and it's probably all south. Yeah, probably all south Georgia. Yeah, I was, I was just wondering about that, guys. I, I tell you, that's interesting. One other guess I got a suggestion for Michael. He's a com. Did you, do you know Tony Charles' son, Tony Scott? Never saw him work. No, he worked at no, Anthony. Never, yeah, Anthony Charles. Yeah, I but, just uh, wonder. You know, he's other, a than, other than Florida, I don't know. That's the only place that I know of that he ever worked. Well, you know, he's a comic. You know, he live, he's based out of Spain. You know, of course, I know he's born in Red. He was born in Pensacola. I just wonder if you thought about maybe having him as a guest on the show, talk about his dad a little I bit. I wouldn't know how to get in touch with him. I think he's on Facebook. Is he? I'll have to look and see. It's just a suggestion. You know, I'm trying to teach states a great show, guys, and I'm, and with me and a lot of the listeners. How many listeners do you think listen to y'all's show each week? Oh, yeah, I've looked at it lately, lately but it, it it goes up and down. Most people listen, go back and listen. They don't listen to it live. They listen to the archives. And at one point, we were getting 350 listeners a week. It, but it fluctuates. That's not bad. Yeah. Well, guys, y'all have a good night. I'm going to keep listening before y'all get off the air, y'all. Keep a 
Good work. Y'all have a good week. Thank you. All right, Thank you. Dennis. Thanks. series comes down to the Cubs and, and Jaybirds, but I don't know if they're going to or not. Well, maybe them in Cleveland. I could I could live with them in Cleveland. Because both Cleveland and the Jays beat beat Atlanta their first two. Or, well, actually, no, Cleveland didn't beat Atlanta. Atlanta beat Cleveland, so... It actually would be pretty decent to uh, see Cleveland and, and the Cubs play because neither one of them have had a world championship in a hundred years or so. Anybody talk to but Charlie the, Smith today? Bobby did. Yeah, he was with me all afternoon. Minus, minus hearing aids. Let's see if he's asleep. Uh Trying to get the, we're going around in circles here, so that's. Well, he had him. He had him on Saturday, and he didn't. He had him turned down. Said he turned oh, no, down. He didn't have at all. You, you there, Charlie? Yeah. Listen to y'all. Pretty good program. Well, well it's better now, some right? El Mongol, El Mongol memories, Smitty. Do what? I said, tell us some El Mongol memories. Like well, a. He used to go to Savannah, Savannah Jackie. I mean, no. All right, now. Now, we're not going to tell rat stories now. That's exciting. We don't start telling rat stories. We'll have to start telling them on Smitty. Uh Uh-oh. Oh, Oh, my God. (laughs) We made a lot of... Me and him made some trips together, and I can tell you this. I wore out some Credence Clearwater Revival 8-tracks because he loved Credence. <laughs> yep. It took us uh, 30 minutes to go out there and an hour and a half or an hour and 45 minutes to get back. Yeah, that was just for Bareback Smitty's house that I had to come home. Yeah. So you were going two and a half hours, right, Bobby? Yes, sir. I got home about seven fifteen. Let's see. That's we could probably do a whole show on what what the guys listen to up and running up and down the road. What did what did Soto listen to? I don't know. Anything I don't know. You want, anything you wanted to listen to? His name got brought up today. Yeah, it did, didn't it? Yeah, Ralph, Ralph said when he was a kid, going to the matches with his dad, he said, I used to hang out with Soto. Uh, he probably got in some trouble then. For that. <laughs> we left Valdosta, wasn't it? Where me, and, me and Soto and Randy, uh, Randy Rose were riding together. And... Soto comes to me, and we were in the dressing room, you know, and he comes to me and he goes, look, he said, I, I want a drink tonight. He said, will you drive home? And I said, sure. So while I'm getting the shower, he, he runs, him and, him and Randy runs to the little store and gets whatever they're going to drink. They swing back through there, and I, I go outside and get in the car. We left there. Randy was in the back seat, and, and Soto was in the front seat. 
And and Soto never got. I don't think he got wasted. I mean, he was he was he was tipsy a little. You know, he was getting tittery. But uh, Randy was messed up when we got back to the passport here in Atlanta. His head was under the front seat, and his feet was up in the back window. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty that wasted. Was, that was that was Randy Alls. Randy Rose would never do anything like that. That had to have been Randy Alls that did that. Yeah, he was. He had been working long. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, the fun fun thing about Soto is no matter what's on the radio, he's going to make up his own lyrics to the song, and he's going to sing it at the top of his lungs. <laughs> I learned that running up and down the road with him and Bill Bowman coming up to uh, one of the Ted Allen shows. <laughs> oh. And his, and his lyrics usually aren't very clean. <laughs> In what language? Oh, he'd sing in English, or as best he could. Oh, man. I wish I could find him. I just wish he had, had him uh, in Florida. Well, I'd, I'd love to know that, sure, but. Well, he, he lives up there in, uh, what is it, about Pensacola? It wasn't, it's below Pensacola, Milton. He lives there with his sister. That's well, that's the last we heard, but that's been three years ago. Yeah. Has I it been that long? Him. Yeah, well, just about. I talked to him in January 2014. I was still in the hospital. He called to check on me, and I talked to him a time or two, and then, you know, I never heard from him again. You still call his number, it still rings, so you know it. Yeah, it goes to his voicemail, but. Yep. So you know he's still there. Well, not necessarily. He's got a cell phone. That would work in Puerto Rico if he lived there. Or New Jersey, if he were up there with you know, with his brother. Yeah. But either way, I just you know, I'd love to talk to him. There's been so much much gone on, and we've lost so many folks, you know. Plus, he was a, he was a friend, and he was he was good for laughs. Yes, he was. He was. One murder Soto, and that was it. He was mean sometimes, but let me tell you, I've seen him hit yeah, the I've, I've seen him get up, get bent out of shape, get his temper up. Usually, usually by me instigating it, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that time, Kent Lucas told him to ask him, uh, told him to ask his dog where the cows were. <laughs> <laughs> the dog didn't naturally didn't say anything to him, and and he said, "I told you that dog couldn't talk." And Ken said, "Well, there's no cows around here." Boy, Toto got hot. Funny thing was he he and I and Bill went to uh after we left Ken's we went to uh a Chinese restaurant in Pensacola and he's trying to order his meal speaking Japanese. I said, Soto, that'd be like me trying to speak, you know, call you a Mexican. You're insulting that, that Chinese guy by you know, you you trying to order <laughs> your meal in Japanese. 
The last time I saw him, Ronnie West was supposed to be with us that day, and that was the day he was so sick he couldn't come out of his hotel room and wound up in the hospital. That was the summer before, the season before he died. He and Soto had gone out drinking, and Ronnie West hadn't hadn't been drinking in a couple of years, and he made up for it. <laughs> yeah, that's always rough. That's when they wound up in the strip club and spent the night, wasn't it? Well, that was yeah, and they were coming out of uh, no, they didn't. Well, they went to Sammy's, which is really it's not really a full blown strip club, but it's close enough, I guess. And then uh, they were coming out of the uh, out of there, and uh, Soto said he was walking along and they were talking, and he noticed Ronnie wasn't responding to him anymore, so he turned around and Ronnie was sprawled out in the parking lot. He tripped and fell. <laughs> I said, I wish I'd have been there. I'd have run over and stood over and hollered, sell it, sell it. <laughs> like he did to that poor Japanese kid that, that fell out of Smitty's van in Mobile. He scared that, that kid to funny, when he jumped on top of him. That was the funniest thing I ever seen. That poor Japanese guy fell out. <laughs> We were coming back from the building, and Ronnie was talking to the kid. The kid couldn't speak English. He had very little. He could speak very little English. And he's going, Ronnie's going. Uh, you like a nice American girl? And the guy looks at him. He didn't. He didn't understand. So Ronnie makes a makes the hand gesture like a, like a big breasted woman, you know, big big big. And the kid knew what he was talking about then. So the kid started smiling and started nodding his head. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So Ronnie just butters this up for about five minutes. So, you know, we'll find this. We'll do this. And this. I mean, the kid actually got to jumping up and down on the seat a little bit. He was getting excited. And then Ronnie goes, well, if we can't find a girl, we'll find you a nice young American boy. And the guy, the guy goes, oh, no, 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 And that's when we got back and he fell out of the van. Uh, Jay, you had to see this to appreciate it. The kid, you've ridden in Charlie's van or you've seen Charlie's van. Sure, I've seen it, yes. This kid was sitting in the seat behind the front seat, uh, one of those captain's chairs. And you know how high they are off the ground? When that yeah. door opened up, that kid fell from that seat all the Ooh. way to the ground. Yep. He landed in the like parking that. lot. He's down in the parking lot. Ronnie comes over the seat out of the back seat, jumps out of the van, straddles the guy, and he's screaming at him, sell it, sell it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. He was fighting for his life to get up. He disappeared. We didn't see him no more that night. I I guess not. What was that other Japanese kid's name? I don't remember, but he he was a nice guy. He He was a nice guy. He passed away, what, last year, year before? Year before, I think. Had a massive heart attack. I mean, just what a super guy he was. He sure was. He take pictures last year, and they'll see you somewhere. Like he says, in Las Vegas, he'll bring some pictures over and give them to us. You know, anybody, you know I can't imagine you wanting any pictures of yourself, Smitty. Oh, yes, sir. <laughs> I got a picture out of them, five of them full of me. Oh, I know. 
I came across a picture of Ronnie uh, West today, and I can't remember who he was in the ring with. Well, it's a lot of people, a lot of guys. Yeah. It was it was taken here in Georgia, but I can't remember. It was du- maybe it was Dustin somewhere. I'll tell you, if it was David, you could do an hour. You could do a two-hour show with him, could you? Oh God! Oh uh, no, you couldn't tell half of it, three quarters of it. Not on the air anyway. It'd be fun for us to sit and talk about, but get us kicked off. <laughs> oh jeez! God, he was so funny. He was that. Where did Ronnie work before he came to Atlanta? I know, Bobby, you said he worked for Ann for a couple of weeks and then was told Nick he needed Gullis. to go to work for the Atlanta office. Tennessee for Nick Goulas. And he was in, uh, he he worked for Crockett before he came to Georgia, too. He worked, yeah, he worked some in the Carolinas. The majority of his career was in Tennessee. What's that, Smitty? He left and went to North Carolina. Well, he was actually in North Carolina first. But he before came he came here. He left back, when he left then, he went back to North Carolina. Yeah. Because well, I've, I've got a photo of him in the ring with uh, Dory Funk Jr. and Johnny Weaver. And, and Ronnie's probably mm, 17, 18 years old. Yeah. He started, well, he started refereeing, refereeing when he was 13 or 14, working for Nick. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I know that George Goodell's got mad. Well, no, and, and wondering yep. why why that's so earth-shattering. <laughs> I'm glad he found somebody that loves him. Little short, fat girl. You said her, hadn't you? I haven't seen her. I haven't seen George Goodell. Is that the one he wanted you to give her something free? Yeah, he was up at uh, Vanderbilt game. He come by. He said, Johnny, he said, what you got good for my little lady friend? I said, nothing. <laughs> it shocked the hell out of him. Hmm. Well, I said, nothing. You know, uh, Charlie, are you going to be in Monroe, Monroe this week or was that last week? Next week, next, the 20, uh, 22nd. All right. Give you a little promo here for the for Monroe on the 22nd of uh, October. Yeah. And what building are you in? Uh, it's a recreation center. I forget, I forget the name of it. It's Monroe Recreation Center? It's, uh, we got another name. Since we're plugging things, I will not be in Monroe on the 22nd. Where will you be? I'm actually, well, I'm actually, me and my daughter and my grandson are going to ride up to the mountains that day, just riding around, looking at the leaves, and then I will be, I will be home that night, I hope. And uh, since your surgery, are you looking a lot better? I mean, seeing a lot better? I look good every day, sir, but uh, as far as seeing... That's the reason I, that's the reason I rephrased that, Bobby, so (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I get better looking every day. I can't wait to get up and look in the mirror in the morning. But anyway, I'm uh, yeah, I'm you know doing what? well. I went You're back to the eye doctor this morning, <laughs> and uh, he told me that uh, 
the my eye pressure is is back down to within the normal range. Everything looks good, and uh, uh, he said that I should be completely healed from the surgery in three weeks, and he wants to see me then, and uh, uh, then he's going to reevaluate you know, my glass prescription and so forth. But, yeah, I'm doing well. I can see good. Great. You think you look good, Gene Bennett? Listen, this is not a beauty contest, sir. I'm not going to get into <laughs> arguing with him. With him. Yes. Yeah, I'm uh, sorry I missed the get together this weekend. I will not be able to do the show next week. Uh, I, will, I, may, I will call in if I can, but I am uh, – I'm speaking at a church next Thursday night, so uh, I may be late calling in. Well, just just to... put us on your speakerphone, and we'll let Jerry tell the Kelly twins. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the that'd be good. Uh, you'll have to watch for my cell number, Jay, when I because I'll call for my cell phone next week. Okay, I'll make sure you got it. Yeah, I I I think I'm pretty sure I do. Uh, okay. Without giving out any more, it's a four hundred four number, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you told you said you never heard of a VFW uh, in Georgia. Yeah. They got water in Conyers. I know they got them, but I'm never. I never worked in one. Is what I said. Oh, I, I worked in the Conyers. Very low ceiling. I worked in the one in Conyers many times myself, but it wasn't wrestling. But uh, I, I, the VFW there, and also the American Legion, which is one st- uh, stop uh, further east uh, from from the VFW. But I played that VFW many, many times. Yeah, we wrestled there a few times too, and also the Marty Michael, Michael Auditorium in Athens before they started JJ. We used to wrestle we're, down to, every we're down to a minute and a half, guys, if you want to say anything to wrap this thing up. Good night, everybody. Uh, Smitty, you uh you rent yourself out on the thirty first to haunt houses? Yes, sir. Well, Me and Bobby Simmons. Don't get me involved in Bobby Simmons. I said, don't get me in your schemes. Just seriously for a minute, I just to wrap things up. Uh, we uh, we said goodbye to a real good guy today, and uh, uh, my heart goes out to his family. If and I don't know if they're listening tonight, but uh, just, uh, we're losing we're losing the good ones, fellas, and there's nobody to take their place, and that's uh, yeah, just, that's sad. That's why we're left. I tell you. And Mongol was was a was a coup for us to to get him on our our show thanks to Charlie Smith. Yeah, we were probably me. the last thing he ever did. Yep. Fantastic. All, All right, right, guys. Well, we will uh, we'll get together again next week and uh, see what kind of trouble we can get in. And uh, hopefully, Bobby will be able to join us at some point next week. But uh, thank you, guys. Appreciate it tonight. Thank you for having me, sir. You're welcome, uh-huh. Smitty. Thanks to Dennis Mitchell. Yeah. Good night, Good night guys. everybody. Good night. Good night, everybody. We thank you for listening to this broadcast, a production brought to you by the GWH Radio Network. Stay tuned to GeorgiaWrestlingHistory.com for the latest information on upcoming events and more. As always, we thank you for your continued support.